Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone DeRoche for video producer Polygon.com and I'm joined tonight by Senior Content Project Manager Christina Warren. <laughs> Hi. And Democratic candidate for Congress, Brianna Wu. I did it. I opened that doc where I keep uh, your titles written down. <laughs> That's very smart, Simone. That's very, it's very clever. That way you don't have to use your mind and it's just written right in front of you. That's awesome. Yeah, That's I great. really just don't like to... Um, engage in memory <laughs> or critical thinking ever so it, it's memory, very useful big for mistake me. memory yeah. who needs it man yeah uh, you would think it would be harder to do an entire scripted hour-long podcast but yeah there it is i mean we we're just really good at we actually spend most of the week practicing for next week's podcast rehearsing that's it. That's it. So speaking of memory, I need to apologize to our Rocket listeners because I completely cocked up our sound last week. Um, uh, just long story short, I some settings had changed on my machine, and we ended up having to use the Skype call recorder, which was somehow recorded through my laptop microphone. So I just really oh, want God. to apologize to everyone out there, right? Like there, there are certain production standards. I'm willing to let the show drop below Simone, but that was just too far. That was, that was Why even you, too far calling for me. me? So. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 Certain production <laughs> standards, Simone. No, I'm willing no, to drop no, below. Because... <laughs> Let's take some out because I missed you so much last me. week. I, we were adrift. I mean, tell us, Christina. Well, we, it was horrible. It was. It I mean, was, look, yeah. we, we very much appreciate everybody who's like stepped in, but like this is what happens. One of us goes away, somebody else comes right. in, and we kind of realize, oh, this show really works best Honestly, when it's the three of us. How long? I, I was gone for two weeks, right? Yep. Okay. But it felt like it two years. It feels like it's two weeks. been two years. <laughs> well, you, well, you were gone for two weeks. We had two weeks with the three of us. And then before that, I was gone for a couple of weeks. So it's just, it's been, yeah. oh my God, I think it's just, right. it's, you know, I, th- I think that's what it is. I think that it's been this kind of like off on, off on thing. And hopefully we'll be on for yeah. a while. Life stuff. So, so before we start, I have to tell you, Simone, your job is really hard for a, this show because I've had to do it for two weeks of like trying to figure out ad reads and like getting the show sent over to Jim and everything. Honestly, that sucks. So I just want to tell a lot you, thank easier, you uh, for that. It would be easier yeah. if I told you how to log in to the site. I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say if we had access to the law to the site that like lets us do the ad reads, that might be better. It, it, I think, you know, it would be a lot easier <laughs> if you uh, didn't have to, say, text someone who had completely forgotten me to give you access to the ad reads, <laughs> me, the night of recording. <laughs> and then have me go, uh, I'm not near my computer, so I just have no friggin' clue. <laughs> Behind the I, scenes I think it's of so how Rocket is very taking polished. this as like a critique of you. No, I'm not saying it's a critique of me. I'm saying we're saying it's hard. We're saying it's hard to be Simone. And yeah. Simone is really hard. good at what she yeah. does. That's it's hard knock life. Yeah, exactly. For us. It's hard knock life. To, yeah, being a podcast host, man. So, wow. So a great thing is that we do have some nice meaty stories to get into on this, the week of my triumphant return. Uh, primarily, William Turton at The Outline published a Woo-hoo! fantastic piece. William! 
him. Um, he's a former colleague. Wow. I'm so proud of him. This it, is a great scoop. Was he one of your like children, or was yes. he? I, yes, he's he, one of my children. Was he on this show before? Um, he was going to be. <sighs> Alex was on. He was going to be. We were going to get him on. We could still get him on. I mean, sometime. that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, so anyway, he's an actual teen. He's 19 years old. Oh, that's horrendous. I know. He can't so be great. on the show anymore, actually. <laughs> I, I regret you. Also, we can't cover the, the story. Actually, was William on our show? I think he was. Because I remember I a 19-year-old, a literal was. child yeah. being on yeah. the okay, show. So, so, you no, know, that's right. He came and on I for a segment to talk to us. That's right. He came on to talk to us about a segment that, that he did. That's right. That's right. Yeah, William was on the show. So 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 William Turton, former Rocket guest, William Turton. Yay! <laughs> he has his own website <laughs> what now. What he's best known for. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, oh that's what. Goodness. That's how he, you know, launched the outline was because he was on Rocket once, and everyone's like, <laughs> and that's what <laughs> happened. That, that's 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 exactly what it is. No, um, he is very yeah, accomplished no. in his own right because he clearly has sources. One of them being uh, that leaked to him was an hour long audio of of a presentation at Apple about stopping leaks from happening. So today, <laughs> okay. in irony. I was going to say, before we even talk about the the presentation, which is fantastic, and the story, which is great, I love, 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 love whoever decided to leak a presentation on the crackdown of leaks. <laughs> leaks. Because that's great. That's, that, that, oh, that is so some great. subversive – that is some subversive stuff. Someone's uh, – they're, they're, they're ish. That, that is, that, yeah. There's a word I would rather use in its place, <laughs> but I won't. Um, that is subversive on a level that I'm like, wow th- – that. That, that that that's that's DGAF level of all kinds of stuff. I have to wonder to like, like how yeah. it went down. Like, did they know what the presentation was going to be about, or did they get like put in the the conference room and then they see what the slide what the presentation is going to be, and somebody reaches into their pocket to turn on the recorder? Like, oh no, yeah, not today. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds. We'll, we'll get in the content in a second, but 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 I'm of two minds. I'm either thinking. That somebody got in and, and, you know, um, according to the story, there were about 100 people in the room. But that doesn't mean that people didn't watch remotely. I know that that's common at big companies where, you know, um, executives or, or people will do, you know, stuff over over video conference. So it's possible that there might have been people watching remotely. In that case, maybe, you know, somebody recorded the presentation if it was videoed. I don't know. Or if somebody just got in there and was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to pull up my iPhone and, and pull up the Voice Memos app and, and hit record. Like, I, 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 I so I, 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 I really, I have, like, I've been thinking about, oh, how did they, how did this person who leaked this to, to, to William, how do they do the leaking, you know, was, was this, you know, watching it on, on, on their Mac, you know, in the office and then, like, recording surreptitiously, like, with screen recorder or something? Or was this, you know, in the room having the phone in your pocket with, you know the, the the voice memo app running. It was actually just someone at Starbucks watching it with no headphones on. Yes, I mean <laughs> no, that, I that have, could be a I two. have another theory. Okay. I think it was William, and because he's a teenager, he's very small, <gasps> yes. like Newt and aliens, and he's able to fit in the ducks. And he he snuck through. He just crawled commando style through all the ducks, and then sat there, and then used his awesome zoom lens with the iPhone Seven uh, Plus. <laughs> to get and just to capture everything there. That's what I think If you're at Apple and you're listening to this right now, William is in the walls. He's in the walls. He's in the walls. He's in Cupertino. And I have to say, you know, um, when when we worked together at Gizmodo, William got a couple of Apple scoops. But since he's been at the outline, this is his second big one. His first one was um, in Stephen Levy's, like, exhaustive 
you know, Wired cover story on Apple Park, he mentioned that they like patented a pizza box. And and so William talked with a source and someone sent him a pizza box. <laughs> uh, apparently, they've been around even be- before they moved to, to the new campus. But someone sent him one of the Apple patented pizza boxes. And then uh, what they did at the outline was actually really great. He did a video that was completely in the same style as all those annoying, um, you know, gadget blogger review things like 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 that. um the the YouTuber is I can't think of his name right now. He's he's young and and I've met him before. He's nice, but um, his YouTube channel is one of the most annoying things I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. Um, he's got the YouTube uh, slash tech channel. What's his name? Um, uh, uh, Keaton Keller. Anyway, he's one of those really annoying. Hey guys, we're gonna check out this sort of thing. He did like this very tongue in cheek YouTube video unboxing of the Apple Pizza box, That's which was great. Pretty incredible. I'm going to find it and we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. So basically, uh, this was a presentation that was given to Apple employees um, discussing how leaks are bad for the company and highlighting that Apple has hired investigators who have formerly worked for uh, organizations like the NSA and the FBI (laughs) and the U.S. military (laughs) uh, in an effort to basically stop leaks from happening you know track down where they're coming from some of the investigations that they've done have taken as long as three years and this is all sort of um, they're talking about it now after tim cook made it a priority in 2012 and they really really cracked down at that time or since that time on leaks coming from the factories at which point they then realized that there was also a big problem in apple's uh u.s campuses with, which they've with kn- which they've known, but yeah. it had shifted. So, so I think like historically, some context. It, it's interesting to know. Like Apple has always had leakers. Um, if uh, if uh, longtime Apple you know followers, uh, listeners of the pod may reco- may remember the original rumor site, which was called Think Secret. And Think Secret, uh, you know, it was it was it, it, pre- it pre- I suppose I think it was before Mac rumors, was before Apple Insiders, before that sounds any of like them. a monthly lingerie mailbox it kind of, service it, it kind of does <laughs> well you have to think that you know the, the, the whole if notion you use was offer no, code rocket you can get 20 dollars off a month on think secret on think secret and you can get you can get underwear um and and, and they, they they may or may not be good during your menstrual cycle if they're they're they're, they're think panties i don't know there's all kinds of stuff but no but think secret was like i think the original apple rumor site and um people you know were, were leaking stuff to it and it was actually run i think by a high schooler and Apple sued and actually tried to argue pretty terribly, uh, I I say this as a former journalist, (laughs) um, that uh, bloggers weren't protected by the First Amendment because they weren't actually journalists. And it was was a pretty nasty way to think. It was, you know, Apple's uh, history with with online media has uh, always been pretty rife with they haven't always been that great. Um, They've gotten better in recent years, but but they haven't always been that great going all the way back to to the Think Secret days. And what ended up happening was that the the high school student um, who ran the site settled settled with Apple for an undisclosed figure. Uh, Apple, from from I mean, all intents and purposes, probably paid for his college and then some um, to make the whole thing go away because it became kind of a public like black eyes, like oh you're you're suing somebody a literal your teen. Own a- a literal team who had also who like employees leaked the information and if it were any other publication or whatnot you wouldn't be able to go after them but you're mm-hmm. going after this person because it's the blogger but anyway yeah. I, I say that to say that like Apple has this history of of having you know people inside their company just like all major tech companies do you know of leaking but Apple is in particular has been very anti that and has tried to try to stop it and for a while 
you know, you didn't have, I think from Think Secret really up until I would say uh, when Mark Gurman started really getting scoops, there was probably kind of a lull where most of what we saw happen did come from the supply chain, where most of the leaks did come from China. Oh, yeah. and, and, and And this increased yeah. tremendously once they started doing more and more stuff in China because you have more and more factories involved and more and more companies and more and more outsourced employees. And, and it's just the number of people who have access to things when you're making you know, you've got to have production lines ready for, you know, 10 million products, 10 million, you know, units or, or even a million units at launch. Um, keeping stuff quiet becomes a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. And that's what I thought was so interesting about this, Christina, because like, you know, we had that NSA story. Uh, what was it two weeks ago where the woman, you know, allegedly leaked things yes. out about, you know, the secret memo. And it it comes down to like secret printer dots on the documents yes. that were leaked. Jeez. Like the stuff within Apple. I just assume that they are going to have like the best minds in the entire world figuring out how to totally. you know hide that stuff. I mean, when you go visit Apple, mm-hmm. they are hyper, they are hyper, hyper, hyper aware, hyper paranoid oh, yeah. about this. Like, you will sign your life away at the door, and you'll walk in, and they'll be like cloth thrown everything over everything like it is it is like it's weird it's like they're moving because they'll be like cloth over <laughs> yeah. boards and stuff like that but i mean the point being like what really surprised me about this story christina was reading about them uh you know, basically having uh, a workforce to screen everyone yep. out of their factories in china that's bigger than the the tsa mm-hmm. and i was thinking about this i'm like okay so you've got you have like a factory system that has been very famously criticized for like the suicides and the harsh working mm-hmm. conditions. And, you know, they did come back and they fairly addressed like, you know, they've addressed like underage workers there very successfully. But like, this is a really like, it's a kind of a political hot topic. And then like you bring in the worst American agency that exists, <laughs> the TSA. Completely. And then you're Who secretly bragging no, you're right. And then you're secretly yeah, bragging it, about it. So. I mean, and, and then bragging about it in a way where I guess you, you have so much hubris, you don't think it's going to leak. Um, which there, I mean, I guess, it, which to me is kind of the shocking thing. Like, I, I mean, I uh, granted, right now it's the first time I've ever worked for like a really big company, but. It, if, if you're a company of any sort of major size, I mean, these sorts of things get out. Mm-hmm. There are so I, I, many I, I th- parts of this that just my, my head was spinning as I was reading it, like going from, oh, my God, they literally sat people down and like told them about all the efforts that they're doing to to keep their gosh darn mouths closed yeah. to the the hallways are referred to as red zones, quote unquote, mm-hmm. where, you know, you're not supposed to talk about stuff to like millions of people being screened in factories every day was that a correct statistic that i they don't have millions i don't think working but but they have i, I don't know if it's millions let me check the article i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna because there was a number that just like made my head yeah, kind yeah, their of peak volume is 1.8 million a day hours for just yes. 40 factories in china is 2.7 million a day yeah that number yes. surges to 3 million when apple ramps up production and all these people need to be checked every time they enter and exit the factory so mm-hmm. you're right they basically more than the entire tsa apple has double that basically 
for for factories, which is nuts. Yeah, right. no matter like what the the tone of the presentation might be, I don't know because I haven't listened to the audio. But the the way that it is written up and that it's playing out in my mind makes it sound Orwellian, even though uh, William goes out of his way to mention that they don't have a quote unquote big brother culture. There. Well, except Sounds I mean, like a and, nightmare. Of course, it's Orwellian, and yeah. I think I mean I, I'm, I'm sure you have instances of people you know, Bree, or people you've met who work at Apple who've told you, "I can't tell you what I work on." Oh God, yeah, and yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's fair. I mean, and that's again, that's a lot of big companies. I know people at Google who've done the same thing. I'm like, well, I'm like, what do you do? What do you work on? Can't tell you. You know, my wife doesn't know what I do. My husband doesn't know what I do. Whatever, and like that's. Um, you can kind of understand. Um, Brian Merchant uh, just wrote a book called um, for uh, uh, called uh, the One uh, Device: How the iPhone Changed Our Lives, or whatever, or, or the secret, the One Device, the, the secret history of the iPhone. And some people are taking issue with some of the way, some of the, the the anecdotes in that book and whatnot. And I haven't read the whole thing. I have some, maybe some issues with the framing, but I think that I, I have no reason to doubt any of the interviews he got with people who were there. Um, and, and, um, I think after dogfight by, uh, uh, oh, Fred, wow. I can't think of his last name. I, it's probably one of the best. It's a um, really good book. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 dogfight's a really good book. And right now, you know, the, 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 um, the one device uh, from what I've read on it, there's certainly some really good parts on it that kind of goes into the history of the iPhone. That's to me the most interesting part. There's some segues where he kind of goes to the factories and, and I think that I'm, that's the part where I've kind of skipped, but the part where it's actually talking about kind of the creation within Apple, there was this big focus on kind of secrecy. There was an excerpt that ran in the verge um, two weeks ago. And um, in it, it was kind of discussed how people were recruited to work on the team that became the iPhone team. And these people were not even told what they were going to be doing. People simply came to their offices one day and said, we've got this thing. We want to work. We want you to work on it. Are you in or out? And that's all you knew. Jeez. You know, you've got to give up working on what you're working on. You've got to come to this, this other part of the, the, the building. You and know, live this, in secrecy for well, who knows well, basically, how long. I mean, I mean from, uh, apparently, you know, Steve Jobs told cleaning crews and people not to go into offices, not to clean stuff because they didn't want to see anything written on whiteboards. Wow. I mean, it's just like hardcore. So I think that this is a, a cultural thing at Apple that has been going on for a while, but we've never right. really seen, you know, this is what makes this story so amazing is that we've never really seen the inside of the sausage stuff uh, where, you know, the company has been talking about it. Like I've talked Love to retail to see employees. the inside of the sausage. Totally. Um, but I, I've talked to retail employees before. And retail employees, that's typically where stuff does get leaked pretty frequently. And that's one of the reasons why retail employees don't know stuff. Because, uh, you know, you're paying people an hourly wage. Um, many of them are uh, using that, not, you know, not seeing this as, as a long-term career. They don't really have a reason to be loyal. And they forward those emails that they get to Mac rumors immediately <laughs> and, and post them on forums. And, and when I worked at TUAW, RIP, you know, we used to get tips all the time from like Apple retail people about, you know, different policy changes and things that were happening. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, but like that aside, like what's so interesting about this is to see how they're presenting, you know, uh, their, their, their focus on leaks, you know, at a, at a company meeting and, and, and being proud of it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be. It's just, it's from the outside looking in. It's just, it, it is hard not to be like, well, of course this is Orwellian. Yeah, you know? it is definitely shocking. But I mean, you know, let's look at like the history of this. Like they have very good consumer reasons for kind of being a little cagey about what's coming out when. Because, you know, it's just like Steve Jobs said, you will stop buying it, you know, if you Absolutely. know exactly what the 
next MacBook is going to be. It's going to, I mean, it also takes away the marketing sizzle. I mean, well, not that's just what it like, is. I, I, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it prevents people from buying it. I mean, Tim Cook has, has said he thinks that people aren't buying the new iPhone because of rumors for the next iPhone. And that there might be some truth to that, but I also sure. think that a bigger part of it is, is what you just said, the sizzle. Apple really likes to make the big reveal, and they're famous for doing that. And people, we've all kind of, you know, lamented over recent years that the supply chain you know, leaks were so frequent that we kind of, and, and Mark Gurman um, in particular, you know, has had so many scoops that we've known what was going to happen before. And, mm-hmm. and so there haven't been as many surprises. So yeah, you're right. There's a very real market reason sure, for them to sure. want to be, be But I mean, um, my point is when you have, it's one thing once a hundred people at a factory, I'm not a factory, at an office making the first Macintosh, right? That's one thing. But sure. when you're trying to ramp up supplies for something Worldwide, and as best as I can tell, like they are very conservative in how they work with suppliers or yes. things like AirPods would be easier to cap by now. Like it's it's mm-hmm. almost gotten to the point where Apple re- will release a product and it's nearly impossible to get. So, like uh, part of my brain is going when I read about like you know workers in Guangzhou being subjected to like TSA, which I have to imagine is even worse than our TSA. Oh, absolutely. I have empathy. But then on the other hand, I'm going, how else are they going to control this? Because right. if they don't have those systems in place, I don't know I, I don't know how yeah. they would keep any of this secret just because Apple is a worldwide business these days. No, you're 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 not wrong. I do wonder because it's interesting. We see leaks obviously um, the, the, the currency for them isn't the same, but we do see leaks, uh, for other phone makers, you know, uh, whole people, you know, uh, Sonny, I can't think of his last name has kind of a, you know, built up a career of, of leaking phone parts. Evleaks is, is another one. And, um, you know, these, these guys oftentimes sometimes get, um, bodies of phones, but a lot of times how leaks for other manufacturers get out is from press images and it's, it's just, you know, lazy, you know, Apple does all of their PR. So they, they can be really careful with that. But a lot of ways that stuff happens is that, you know, goes to carrier partners and other places and they're sitting on, you know, like Amazon servers or Dropboxes and, and people are getting, you know, um, uh, uh, renders of devices and, and that's how you get information out. So I'm curious, you know, obviously the currency for an Apple leak is the highest of the high, but I'm, I would be curious to know how a company like Samsung, um, you know, or, or Google, um, less hardware focused, you know, I, 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 after reading this story of Williams, I'd be curious to know how other companies handle leaks internally and what sort of things they have both internally within their, 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 um, you know, um, stateside or, or, um, you know, official office employees, um, if they're in other countries or, um, at the, uh, manufacturing level, because what's interesting is the last few times that things have kind of been leaked that haven't come directly off the supply chain or whatever have actually been, there've been like, uh, you know, executives that have, have partnered with Apple for some reason that have become a supplier and have mentioned things in either their earnings reports or, mm. or in interviews talking about, Oh, we've got this happening and Apple's going to be using this type of device in their phones. Or, you know, we have to report that we are no longer a supplier of this. And so our stock is going down and people are then going, Oh, well, you know, Apple's doing X, Y, or Z. And oftentimes that those sorts of leaks comes aren't from as sexy. broken trust. Yeah, totally. But I mean, but, but it's interesting because those sorts of things don't always, you know, they don't have the sizzle of like, oh, yeah. this is what the next iPhone looks like. But they help reaffirm what what those other things are, and those are things that like 
TSA line checks can't really do anything if Mm -hmm. a company you've partnered with and that you've already made a deal with, probably a multi-year deal with, who's already making your stuff, if one of those CEOs decides to to spill the beans to Asian media, which has happened on a couple of occasions, which just happened recently. Makes a phone call and talks in like his really I'm disappointed in you Southern dad voice and (laughs) probably makes other CEOs cry. Like I can't imagine Tim Cook's sad, disappointed Southern dad voice. I can yeah. imagine that. It would be, I can too. It would be nightmarish. Like, I think we saw his face next to Trump this week, like his sad oh, yeah, face. Oh, that. yeah. So oh, good. Yeah. This actually some, makes me so... really curious about Nintendo and maybe what mm-hmm. changed there because they've always been pretty leak-proof up until these last few years when things have yeah. kind of started to tr- trickle out. And I wonder what they were doing and then – what they aren't doing now or maybe what changed, I guess, in in the world that makes them a little more leaky than they used to be. Yeah, yeah, I I wonder. Um, You're right. And I I wonder if it's just kind of a sign of the times. I mean, the first few iPhones were were really locked down. Nobody knew anything. It wasn't until it reached, you know, kind of critical mass manufacturing that you started seeing stuff. Um, I mean, just, uh, I guess it was like uh, last week, a Wistron CEO he was the one who talked about like waterproofing and, and wireless charging for the new iPhone, which really just means inductive charging. And and they're they're in a similar. Um, and he confirmed like stuff will be integrated into the new iPhones um, in in Asian media. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, John Gruber like wrote kind of a funny item about how Jeff Williams, you know, would call who's the head of Apple's supply chain would call and and yell at him. <laughs> but it's it's, it's interesting. I, I think that with Nintendo. I would have to think, and you you guys would know better because you guys are, are are more knowledgeable on this. I, I know Nintendo, but I don't know them like as intimately as I know some other tech companies. Didn't they used to have more control over a lot of their hardware design and production? And didn't they kind of move um, to more outsourcing stuff? Like I know, like with the Switch, you know, they kind of used kind of some existing platforms and then kind of added on top of it. Do you think that could have led to the leaks, or do you think maybe it's just? representative of a, of a broader cultural change there. I, I think that's dead on, Christina. Like, if you think about the very first Nintendo, uh, you know, moving that number of pixels around on screen with the processor that week was a freaking miracle of engineering. Um, you know, that happened by working in-house. Uh, you know, the truth is systems today are so complex that you do have to outsource parts. I mean, even the iPhone does it, right? Of course. So I think, uh, I think you're dead on. Also, like a, a much different uh, you know, distribution channel. Like it used mm-hmm. to be, like go read uh, console wars and read about so like how they would fight to keep it in KB toy stores or get it over to Genesis here. And uh, yeah, it's just a different world. Speaking anyway. of outsourcing, why don't you outsource <laughs> wasting your time to someone else? Because you're not going to do that anymore because this episode of rocket is brought to you by PDF pen from smile. Yeah. Right. PDF pen. Yes equips you with everything you need for more powerful PDF editing. And we have some great news. The new PDF Pen 9 is now available, and it is the ultimate tool for editing your PDFs. You can upgrade now to PDF Pen 9 and go totally paperless and enjoy over 100 enhancements that will improve your PDF editing workflow, which brings me back to to outsourcing the the time-wasting to some, some... jerk who's still cutting down trees to make pdfs yeah would you believe into the year of our lord 2017 
people haven't upgraded to PDF Pen 9 and they're wasting <laughs> their lives away. PDF Pen 9 comes with some great new features. You can add notes, comments, and cloud annotations to your PDF documents and fill out and sign interactive PDF forms. You can access annotations and their content in the sidebar and copy annotation content as text. And you can also find and highlight all instances of a word, which is super useful, along with being being able to remove OCR text layers and create links to other PDF files. So much more flexibility than has ever been given to you before when working with PDFs, that demonic format that plagues us. (laughs) To this very day. Imagine if I'd been able to search my uh, my my rent lease and search for the word uh, fire alarm to see if I'm supposed to have one. I think I'm supposed to have one. I'm supposed to have one, right? You also have the option to export in grayscale and to JPEG, PNG, and one bit TIFF files. Yeah. PDF Pen 9 Pro 9. PDF Pen Pro 9 enhances table of contents editing and now adds OCR for Chinese, Japanese, and Korean text. With PDF Pen 9, you can edit your documents wherever the heck you are. You just use iCloud or Dropbox for totally seamless editing. No matter where you need to sign that thing or read that thing or edit that thing or annotate that thing, you're doing it where your body is no more wasted time pdf pen 9 is great we all need to do things to pdfs and sometimes those things aren't so pleasant so why not use a program that is awesome and works great you can get everything you need for more powerful pdf editing by going to smilesoftware.com slash rocket go to that place Learn about PDF Pen 9, all the things you can do. And thank you so much, PDF Pen, from Smile, for your support of the show. Again, that's smilesoftware.com slash rocket. That's the name of the show. It's weird that we renamed the show to smilesoftware.com slash rocket, but it is the new name of <laughs> the show. That's... Did you just say we sometimes have to do things to PDFs we don't want to do? Yes. Did you just I say that did. on the sh- Oh, God. Sometimes, like, <laughs> being a... Listen, being an adult is really hard. My parents prepared me really well, but some people out there didn't know, didn't know about what they'd have to do to PDFs. They grew up innocent. I, I, got, I won't say I, ignorant, I, I, but... You know. I, I I do think parents should have that talk with their children about yeah. PDFs. That's and all like, I'm saying. If you yeah. start it early, you don't have to do it all at once. Like just start introducing the concept of PDFs really young. <laughs> like they won't be freaked out. It'll just go right over their heads. They're not going to think it's weird. Just like sometimes. I will pay you $2,000 to start our next topic. <laughs> <laughs> I will expect that check in the mail. Uh, Tumblr. Okay, so (laughs) Tumblr has always been pretty outspoken on net neutrality. And there's a great piece in The Verge by Caitlin Tiffany um, about how since Verizon acquired Tumblr's parent company, uh, which is Yahoo, some things have changed. There's been a, a conspicuous silence from Tumblr on net neutrality, especially given... Uh, the the events of the past six months uh, when net neutrality has been in the news on and off with, you know, several other apocalyptic, horrible things that are happening in the world. But net neutrality, the discussion around it and legislation about it is one of the things that uh, has been discussed. Um, so 
this is this is interesting. The piece went into uh, there were a lot of sources who are employees and former employees of Tumblr leaking is the theme of this show, uh, talking about how culture has has changed there in terms of how they f- how comfortable they feel being activists on this particular topic. Uh, Tumblr has always kind of been on the up and up about various social issues and they've always uh they they've had events in the past where the platform itself has changed um to kind of notify people about uh, events surrounding net neutrality like things you can sign uh call your congressman etc things like that they say now that that activism stops at leadership and there was a talk by um a Verizon employee basically covering <laughs> The new Tumblr with a lot of uh, quote unquote business, empty business speech. I shouldn't quote unquote that because I'm paraphrasing that completely. The word business is the only thing that I'm actually <laughs> quoting there. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting, uh, especially as a person who has been active on Tumblr in the past and kind of kind of troubling because that is a platform. Uh, no matter what your, no matter how flawed it is, it has been a very effective way to reach um, to reach young people and uh, young people who are very politically engaged, or at least interested in being politically engaged, and are very good at spreading messages about being politically engaged. So it is kind of for me troubling that um, Verizon, which is a company that is famously against net neutrality. Uh, seems to have sort of put a damper on at least the how comfortable the employees feel about being outspoken yeah. about this. And, you know, Simone, this piece goes into further details. Like it looks at, uh, you know, uh, how Tumblr has traditionally participated in, you know, a lot of big events celebrating net neutrality mm-hmm. and how like this year they're like PR spokespeople are giving dodgy answers like, well, it's too early to see if we'll be participating in that this year. And, oh, we just can't comment on that. I mean, it's just Weasley. And, Absolutely. you know, I'm, 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 uh, I probably shouldn't say this because I'm running for Congress, but I, I have to tell you guys, you look at the amount of money Verizon and its other, you know, its other competitors spend on lobbyists and they spend directly donating to politicians. And it yep. scares the frack out of me. They are a Absolutely. huge, huge, huge lobbyist. And it's not a surprise that, you know, official enemy of the show, uh, Representative Marsha Blackburn, who I utterly dislike, <laughs> you know, Verizon dumps tons and tons and tons and tons of money at her uh, in, you know, relevant PACs. And it's like, you know, she's just, uh, she goes out and spouts exactly what they want to hear. So it scares me to like be running for office where Verizon is such a a damaging influence on good technology policy. And it scares me to see, you know, like Marco. Marco mm-hmm. was involved in starting Tumblr. It yes. scares me to see like his co-founder kind of uh you know being being silenced uh through this. Like the guy that mm-hmm. they quote extensively in this piece that works at Tumblr, that founded Tumblr, like this guy is on the board of Planned Parenthood. Like he yeah. has mega, mega outspoken. Yeah, he's awesome. 
And, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. But, yeah, but this is a difficult situation. You know, you sell your company to to Yahoo for a billion dollars, and then Yahoo gets sold for four billion dollars a couple of years later. And if you want to be involved, I mean, you know, like what what I I don't know what what he's prevented from saying or not saying, but it is very clear. Um, it, it seems very. It seems as if he if he did want to speak out, it, it's not clear if he'd be able to. That's what I want to say. It's not clear that he wouldn't be able to because I, I don't know that. But but it it um. It, it, it's not clear, I guess, based on on what this reporting is saying and what employees, former and 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 current, are saying. Doesn't seem as if the culture there is is the same. Um, what I think is really interesting about this too, is I think that because it has been a few years since the last time that we had this net neutrality debate, um, it's it's sometimes I think people understate or, or, or forget what type of role Tumblr had in, in the net neutrality debate the first time. And I, I certainly don't want to overstate and I don't want to say, oh, you know, Tumblr is the reason that, that, that we kind of got informed because that's not true. A, a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of um, big companies were kind of involved in the net neutrality debate and were willing to do things. You know, WordPress.com had, you know, sites going dark. You know, Tumblr had their dashboard doing stuff. You know, they did, uh, Tumblr did similar things around SOPA and PIPA as well. But there was like kind of a lot of, of kind of um, broader discussion in the tech world a few years ago about this. And I think it's interesting, not just that, you know, Tumblr, who had a really big role in raising visibility, that they're not present. Um, and that's really disappointing. But a lot of tech companies who were visible and were part of this this debate three years ago aren't out there. I mean, Netflix had, you know, Reed Hastings had said, in in interviews to people, this is not a fight that we're really focused on right now. We don't really. This is not what we're focused on. Um, we 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 don't. He didn't say we don't care, but it's 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 you know it's kind of we have other things to go, going on. And then their PR ends up you know a, after articles about that are written. No, oh, no, no. We're very committed. We're we're going to stand up and fight for this and whatnot. But like kind of the, the lobbying groups that are trying to fight for net neutrality. Um, the version has done some other reporting too, kind of seems to indicate that a lot of the big people who were part of the, the fight the first time are really being quiet this time. And and mm-hmm. um, at least at least Tumblr has not the excuse, but the the business reality of now being owned by uh, a large telecom, right? Which <laughs> makes their which makes their position frankly more difficult and makes it, it does complicate it, it. For, it, it it does complicate it i mean it, it would complicate it even if verizon itself were prone and you know what i'm saying like it would, it would complicate it in, in, in any scenario it just it, it it adds it adds another layer there um but I, I i do wonder about these other tech companies who everybody was talking about this and, and media companies everybody was was really banging the drum and, and three years later it's like we all got what we wanted and and assumed that it would it would last and now it's very possible that net neutrality, as we know it, will be will be rolled back. Mm-hmm. I think it really goes into that fatigue right. idea. Like it, it is, yes. it is really, really hard to amp yourself up to have the same discussion over again. No matter how many little things have changed, it's still like, God, didn't I sign this petition three years ago? And obviously, that's not where activism stops. But it, you know. It is exhausting, I guess, to be constantly conscious of it and to whip up again that same furor as as a movement, like but even see, if so individuals this, are still invested. But this is where I feel like it's so our tactics are off base here. You yeah. know, this should not be 
I, and, and forgive me, because like, I do a ton of research about this with our campaign, but like, there's the Science and Technology Committee in the House, and then there's the Science and Technology Subcommittee in the House, which has like very wide jurisdiction over this. Like They pass the laws that the FCC is then going to interpret. Um, and this has like complete regulation over the internet, over interstate commerce, over standards with all of this. And it's 15 freaking people, which means eight freaking votes. There are hmm. eight people, at least in the House, they're the ones that kind of determine the fate of this. And ultimately, like if you're talking about Tumblr standing up to this and taking a position, ultimately, it's really about getting those people in the house to do the mm-hmm. right thing, which are being bought off by Verizon. So yeah. I think like, you know, I don't mean to make this about my campaign, but like this is why people that understand this stuff can't just like ask other people to do the right thing. We need eight people Mm -hmm. on that committee to understand this stuff that are pissed, understand that it threatens democracy when you're talking about threatening net neutrality. And Simone, you shouldn't have to stress this. Congress should be stressing this. That's really true. And like, I get the, the logic behind it, which is that, you know, if Congress hears that a large group of people want this thing, they should, in theory, represent their constituency. But it is more complicated than that now. You're absolutely right. Like, it, it, it there's just so much misinformation and so much pressure from lobbies, and it's a mess. <laughs> so Amazing. that's a fun talk that we had. You know what else is fun? Is that uh, the two directors, uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who are going to direct the Han Solo movie, uh, aren't doing that anymore. They, they oh, no. cast the whole yeah. thing. They were working on the whole thing. Uh, now they're, they're quote-unquote, creative differences and out. They're gone. And Ron Howard is in talks to replace them. I know. It's crazy. Which is so wild. Thinking about that, Ron Howard Star Wars. I don't want, and by the way, uh, Polygon had a great article looking at all the memes about that that I yes. totally laughed my butt off to today. But I don't want Ron Howard. I want Lexi <laughs> Alexander. I want friend of the show, Lexi Alexander, who directed Punisher. Huh. I want her to be put in charge. I want I want her to come clean up their mess, basically. I would Speaking of mess, so how can we, can we do some wild speculation and think about how much of a mess it might be? be in because I'm, I'm torn on one level yeah, like bad. losing your director is really really messed up it's real bad and then on the other hand like we were worried last year when rogue one had those huge reshoots and it turned out they reshot it to make it way way better obviously yeah. this is a different scenario but well like we've seen films come out of what seemed to be uh bad places before you're right there, okay there have been there have there, there have been examples of both when a director is fired at this stage in a production it, it it really um sometimes it works out really well moneyball is a famous example um you know so steven soderbergh was supposed to direct it and then literally like nine days before like a couple of days before shooting was scheduled to begin so it was it pre-production had happened like shooting is about to begin uh sony put the picture on hold 
and they basically had to kind of reconsider the whole thing. He was replaced by Bennett Miller. Now, Steven Soderbergh is one of the greatest directors of our time, okay, to be very clear. Like, he's fantastic. Um, and not just because of Magic Mike, uh, but, but Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> no, I mean, he, but mostly he, because of Magic Mike. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I think I think he's the only director to be nominated twice in the same year for Best Director at the yeah, Oscars. Yeah, both for Magic Mike, which was so uh, weird. Yeah, I know. No, but no, he, seriously, he went up against himself for, for Best Director uh, uh, during the Oscars for Aaron Brockovich and Traffic and Best Picture as well. He's, he's, he's kind of an amazing you know, filmmaker, but he was replaced by Bennett Miller, who nobody had really heard of. And then the, the screenplay was rewritten um, by Aaron Sorkin. Mm. Um, and and the, it was one of those things where, you know, it was based on a very popular source material book that had done very well by Michael Lewis. And a lot of people, myself included, I remember when that happened and I was like, you don't just replace Soderbergh. You don't just do this. Uh, but something wasn't working. And the final project wound up being very successful and mm-hmm. ended up doing quite well. So it can it can work out well, but there are other um, examples where, you know, um, it doesn't. So this could end up, depending on who they get, being, like you said, this could be a Rogue One scenario where it works out really well. But it, this makes me, um, I guess, like less... Confidence. Yeah, especially since they had started shooting already. That's what I'm so saying. The yeah. Re- yeah, the reshoots will something have to clearly, happen. Something clearly wasn't working, and it's one of those things where you know the the, the guys that that they replaced, you know, were well known, and and mm-hmm. and um, you almost wonder. Uh, Jeff Schneider, uh, I, I can't remember what website he writes for now because he goes lots of places. Um, was commenting on Twitter, and he was making good points. He was like, they knew they had to know what they were kind of getting into. That these guys are very set in their ways and really like to do. Have, do certain types of pictures and so you have to kind of wonder what they were thinking the only thing i can think is that kathleen kennedy who runs lucasfilm was kind of hoping that what happened with jj abrams would happen again where they took someone who had already frankly directed genre things and was really well known in his own right for for his own kind of voice and and they still brought him into the star wars universe and he did a great job with it frankly he, he knocked it out of yeah. the park um and and i think we're kind of hoping that, that they would have that same sort of success clearly though it you know, you would hope that you would find out that you have the wrong pick earlier rather than later. But if something isn't working, when you have a franchise as important as Star Wars, I would think that it's it's crucial to get it right, even if that means taking the bad publicity, even if it means shutting down production, even if it means going through costing whatever it's going to cost. Uh, the 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 yeah. alternative, I suppose, would be, I guess, in their mind, something that wouldn't be good enough for the brand and for a brand that has had such a resurgence and is now more important and more important financially than ever before, you can't go back to like the, the, you know, the prequel days. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Yeah. that is probably the one thing that they're so afraid of. I thought the, the statement coming out of the studio is very, very interesting. So it basically said, and this was from, uh, you know, Kathleen and she was saying, um, yeah, the phrase creative differences is kind of a cliche, but this was really the truth here. Like we had differences about this film. And then I'm reading the headlines the next day and it's like fired, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't sound like a creative difference so much. But this is what really gets me. Like, you know, they plan these movies out shot by shot, actor line by line so meticulously ahead of time. And I'm going through my mind, I'm going, what could those creative differences possibly be? Because the script is already going to be set in stone before a director is brought in. It's already going to be storyboarded. Is it going to be 
the tone of the characters? Is it, is it the emotional feel? Like, I, I don't know what that could possibly be. I, I mean, I guess it would have to be, or it would have to, it has to come down to something that is happening on the day to day, like on set with the actors, because like you said, they're, there's not rude they're not going like oh go ahead and just improv parts of it whatever like <laughs> right. no lucasfilm has their hands all over this and I-, I can't imagine like getting through that pre-production process and then having the creative differences kick in because surely that would be something that would come up like in the months and months that this is in planning and discussion and everything like you know what film you're gonna make if you're making a a star wars film yeah, I mean, I guess, except they might have just had wanted to do a different approach with it. I mean, because, I mean, the J.J. Abrams approach was very different from the George Lucas approach. And the Rogue mm-hmm. One approach was different than the J.J. Abrams approach. So maybe they thought, even with all the planning, they thought they were going to have something different. Yeah. It ended up not not working out. And you don't know until you're there. But I think you're right. I mean, there probably had to be something with onset chemistry, how they were working with the cast and and other stuff. There has there has to be things going on there. Um, <sighs> is you know, but it's it's um, it's really interesting. Honestly, this is like this news is kind of compounded for me just because this is of the standalone Star Wars films. This has been the one that I'm most eh, over. Right? Really? really? Honestly, yeah. And I mean, granted, I knew uh, nothing about Rogue One before I saw it, and that turned out to be freaking amazing. But I don't know, there, there's something about this that feels risky to me just because it's such a beloved character in a prequel, whereas Rogue One, it's like, here are all these strangers that we, you know, we can do anything with. We can make you love them because they are completely you know, cut from whole cloth. Whereas Han Solo, I grew up with Han Solo, like I have an idea of Han Solo in my head and maybe... 2017 young Han Solo is different from the whatever 40 friggin' years that Han Solo has been flying around as a cultural figure for us. Like, I feel like it's got to be a very tricky, tricky line to walk there making that film. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, Well, yeah. And I'm with you in not being super sold with the premise. I mean, Like when they announced Rogue One, I thought, you know, it was going to be like finally a chance to put out a character, like a female character that was really kind of dark and risky and, you know, kind of, you know, less Ray and more Brianna Wu. Like I thought I was really (laughs) going to love her. And like, honestly, I I love the actress, uh, but I thought her character was like, barely relevant to the movie. Mm -hmm. Like it was, um, she was kind of on a ride. It was all the people around her that were strong characters. Like with Han Solo, it's like, we have so many movies about that, like kind of rogue risky, Mm -hmm. you know, white dude that's out there taking chances. I mean, to me, uh, Danny Glover being, uh, you know, uh, cast as, uh, Lando Lando Calrissian. Yeah. That's exciting to me. I want to see that, but I don't know what premise. You're so right. You you brought up a really good point that I hadn't even really considered before, which is that star Wars, the original trilogy that is when Han Solo goes on his hero's journey. It happens there. It yeah. doesn't happen before. And you can only, like, it, you. it's really, really hard, especially to do a, a blockbuster, like, fun film where somebody is the main character and doesn't go on that hero's journey. Like, he has to go through growth and meaningful change 
over the course of that film or it's not going to be a good film. But we see him grow from lovable, like, rogue who shirks responsibility into a war hero in the in uh, episode four, five, six. Like, they, they can't. What, what, what's he going to do? What's he yeah. going to do? <laughs> anyway, Rihanna, uh, what are you up to this week? This week, Simone, I got to tell you, it is recording campaign commercials. And Woo. it is. It is so much fun. Let me tell you, I have a uh, love to I, be on camera. I, oh, <laughs> it's just my favorite thing ever, Simone. Yeah, and memorizing your lines so you can speak them, and saying the same thing and trying to write it so it doesn't sound like a stupid politician cliche. Yeah, I, it's just saying it is the, amazing. the same thing fifty times and being honest about it, but then having to say it fifty times with the same amount of honesty every time. Yeah, but to and be not fair, get tired like during, of it. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like during Gamergate, because the same 2,000 people have asked me to tell that story, I feel like I'm used to that to a certain extent. But uh, that, other than uh, campaign commercials this weekend, I did something I want to tell all of our listeners about. Um, so Emerge is a program that uh, prepares women to run for office. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. When um, they first contacted me, I called my friend Melanie uh, that works at Mike and I'm like, have you heard anything about this? It kind of sounds like a scam. Cause there's so many like things that are out there to like, you know, scam professional women. Uh, and I asked around about it and uh, I ran into some people that actually gone through it. They said, no, this is amazing. You've got to do it. So I did that all this weekend. Uh, I, I spent it. It was like 12 hours a day of classes they brought in some of the best people in the entire field to basically nice. train women to run for office. So um, if you're thinking at all about running for office, maybe doing something about net neutrality and serving on the House Subcommittee of Science and Technology, uh, I can wholly endorse this group. I just had an amazing time and learned a lot. Do you have a link for me to put in those show notes? Sure, sure. It'll be Emerge Massachusetts or something like that. But, Heck uh, yeah. I'll definitely find that for you. It's, it's nationwide. I'll Google it's it too. It's not just here in Massachusetts. Nice. Christina, what have you been up to? So I'm still uh, kind of uh, getting settled in uh, to, you know, the new city. Um, I'm going to see Paul Simon in Spokane on Friday. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever been to Spokane? Before? Wait, is that is that the Gorge or... It's at the uh, Spokane Arena. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I, I've never been to Spokane. All I know is that it's it's a several hour drive from where we are uh, to there. But it's Paul Simon, and so um, and he's not going to be around forever. So uh, much <laughs> oh, like Danny ooh, Glover, you know that what I mean? Perspective. Like, but it's true, Simone. Paul Simon's amazing, and he's not going to be around forever. And this is probably one of his last tours and i don't know when i'll get to see him again Jeez. and since i don't live in the greatest city in the world anymore i don't have my pick of like great musical acts coming all the time i don't get to go <laughs> see lcd sound system you know doing all their all their brooklyn shows and whatnot like i i i, I, I don't live that life anymore um i'm sad to say so yeah i'm going i'm going to uh paul uh see paul simon in spokane and then at work um i'll have something to share once the video goes up, but uh, we're we're trying to kind of work on a a, a show for uh, for Channel Nine, which is Microsoft's um, kind of like their version of YouTube that that the, the public can see, but it's kind of like like videos that are created by people in house, like kind of highlighting technologies and things like that. And nice. we're working on a little sh- we're working on a little show video show that Ooh. we're going to be doing 
um, uh, focusing on uh, on the, the the product that I work on. So you get to uh, make once I have shows. That, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, exactly. So so once once I have something, it'll be you know <laughs> a tutorial of how to use our website. Um, nothing that cool, but but once I have it up, I'll I'll uh, I'll be happy to talk about it. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's basically it. Just uh, continuing to get used to the fact that it stays light here this half of the year until like 10 p.m. Yeah, <laughs> and then it and yeah. and then. And then it's dark very briefly, and then, like, the sun comes up at 5, which means that I'm awoken sometimes, and then I see text conversations happening between Simone and Bree in our Facebook group, and I'm able to respond, <laughs> and, they're all, and they're all like, don't wake Christina, it's, it's 5 a.m. I'm like, you didn't wake me, the sun <laughs> the woke me, sun. and I had to go to blame. The sun woke me, I had to pee, and while I was peeing, I looked at my phone, and yeah. The so sun we're talking did about this. the show. I, I want to pitch you a show at Microsoft, and this may be a little too risky, uh, <gasps> okay. because I know it's all corporate, but I want to see just a reality show of Christina Warren working at Microsoft. <laughs> like yeah. maybe, maybe Christina Warren having a few drinks and just like, Oh, what's this door? And you wander in as the Microsoft board and like you're sitting there telling them what you think about every project. That's what I want to see. I just want to see be, that reality show. I think that would be a great show. I don't think Christina would be employed after that, but I, but I, I would, I would, I'm, you know, but I'm here for it. I'll bring it up to, to, to people. Um, no, but, uh, Yeah. You should try to go out drinking with Steve Ballmer. I, I know he doesn't work there anymore, but that would be a really good time. He doesn't really even live in the time. state anymore. Are you kidding me? Oh, I, I find mean, him. I don't think he lives in the state anymore. Maybe he does. I don't think he does. Maybe he does. You've got I a party he with didn't Steve. Because I, I, w- I mean, look, I've always said this. And this was, and, and you can find this on, on podcasts that I was on years and years and years ago that I'd always say that like, I would have been afraid. People are always like, oh, who would you want to party with? And I'm like, People would always say, oh, I'd love to go out with Steve Jobs. And I was like, look, Steve Jobs scares me. I don't want anything to do with Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is going to yell at you. And like, you know, some you have some other CEOs and some other executives who might be fun, but not that fun. I'm like, who I want to go out with? And I'm talking like a decade ago, I was making these sorts of statements, probably like yeah. nine years ago. I was like, Steve Ballmer. Yeah. Because you know the Steve Ballmer would be the type of guy that you'd go out with, you'd get drunk, and it'd be like three o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. He was like... Let's go to the strip club and get pancakes. Yeah. You know, they've got a great yeah. breakfast buffet. Yeah. Let's do it. You know that you would just go out and have like a great time with him. Christina yeah. wanted was, to like, party with, with Steve Ballmer before he was hot. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I just, when he was CEO, but obviously he's not anymore. He's not, but so uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that would be. That would be interesting. I, I somehow think that wouldn't end well for anyone, but I would I would also not be opposed to it. No, Steve and Christina, the reality show, make it happen, Netflix, please. <laughs> yeah, please that's just that what happen. Microsoft wants is to bring Steve Ballmer back <laughs> in a starring role on Christina's reality show. I think that's exactly what they want. That's why they hired me. That's that's exactly <laughs> no. Let's, no. Let's, 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 that's that's incredibly not. It no. finally makes sense why they kept asking you about all those interviews where you said you wanted to party at a strip club and eat pancakes with Steve Ballmer. Like, I w- <laughs> when you said that they were pressing you on that, I was nervous. Like, oh, is that? Did they see that it's disrespectful? And now I see it was because the surprise, surprise. They're bringing oh. it back. <laughs> anyway, this week. Um, Gosh, I'm wrapping up. I just wrapped up uh, a bunch of really, really silly and wonderful E3 videos, including the season two finale of SEO Play, which is my show where I answer questions. And then uh, uh, the best video that I personally have ever participated in. um, 
do you remember the the Nintendo Switch commercial with the woman who is like playing her Switch alone in her house and then sees a yeah. fun rooftop party and goes yeah. to party with them and brings the Switch? Yeah. And the internet yeah. started calling her Karen. So uh, we came up with a sport called competitive Karening, um, <laughs> which was then changed to competitive switching, uh, which is to play nice. the Nintendo Switch in the most ridiculous places possible and to make a live action Nintendo Switch commercial with our lives. So Nick and Pat and I ran around in the final 10 minutes of E3 on the show floor, putting the Switch in ridiculous places and then playing it there. And we it was so hot that day. And we were running through the convention center because we only had 10 minutes. Uh, we played it in the Xbox booth. We played it at PlayStation. We played it in some places that I won't spoil because you should watch the video. Uh, and it was really, really fun. I think it's like one of the best weird things that we did that came oh out of E3. God. And I'm really happy with it. I want to watch this That's now. That's so good. I, I want to watch this. You care in it. Yeah, same. You've got to share it. This sounds fantastic. Share it now. Um, and while I'm think- finding it, do you want to tell me where I can find you online? Uh, well, you can find me at the account Space Cat Gal. Uh, you can also donate to my congressional campaign at supportbrianna.com. And you can also find me Googling Karen to ask her to be on Christina's reality show along with Steve. I think, <laughs> I think then you've got the good person and then you've got the evil person, Steve. And they've got Christina right in the middle trying to figure out which voice she's going to listen to Karen or Steve. <sighs> I think that's, Devil and that's Angel. a great uh, formula. Christina, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me online at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Snapchats. And uh, yeah. Always. You can find <laughs> me on Twitter at doom quasar uh, on YouTube at youtube.com slash polygon and on my toilet uh, right after this because <laughs> I have to pee so badly. It's unbelievable. Thanks so much for listening to our show. If you like that segue, uh, make sure you give me five stars <laughs> for being honest and open with everyone about what is happening with my body at every single moment of the day. If you want more of that, I know you will leave a five-star review. If you want less of it, the weird thing is that I know you'll also leave a five-star review. Like, I'll be able to tell the difference. Don't worry. Um, I'm very astute about these things. I'm good at reading social cues and uh, being really uh, just cognizant of uh, how to behave at all times. Um, (laughs) I'm talking... This Thanks, episode everyone. of Rocket is terminated. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 terminated.